And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, you know, I could have kicked myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl's my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This time, it's part two of the Abbott and Costello show with guest Bela Lugosi from 1948. Then Bill Johnstone stars as Lamont Cranston, alias The Shadow, in a ghostly adventure from 1941. With me, as always, is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. I'm loving this uh, Halloween theme. Yeah, we play all kinds of scary, fun stuff throughout October to celebrate Old Hallow's Eve. One of my favorite holidays. I know. It's your second favorite. It's my second favorite. Absolutely <laughs> right. Well, last time we began listening to an Abbott and Costello show with special guest Bela Lugosi. Let's go back to May 5th, 1948 for the conclusion. Well, Sheriff Costello, you can take over at once. I've got it, Abbott. What? Ma'am broke into your room? Yes, ma'am. I'll put on a police radio right away. Calling all cars. Calling all cars. Go to 237 Mulberry Street. An old maid found a burglar in a room. Proceed with caution. The old maid is armed. <laughs> well, Costello, you're catching on to your job fast. I found you here. I have news for you. I just picked up a cent. Here's nice cents more. Grab a bus and get out of town. Nah. <laughs> get that out, Costello. My wife may be in trouble. Oh, that's right, buddy dear. Something terrible has just happened. What did he do? Find your birth certificate? Uh, <laughs> Costello, pay attention to my wife. As the sheriff of Encino, it's your duty to hear her out. Well, if it'll make you happy, I'll throw her out. No, no, no. Never mind him, dear. Let's hear your story. Well, for the last couple of nights, there's been a lot of strange noises. Screams and gunshots coming from that empty house next door to us. Suddenly, at two o'clock in the morning, as I was standing by the stove baking fudge... What happened? What happened? Oh, she burned her fudge. She burned... <laughs> mysterious man peering out of the attic window. He made an ugly face at me like this. No, no. Don't do that. I haven't made the face yet. How can I tell? <laughs> Quiet, Costello. This may be more serious than you think. I'd like to see the sheriff. Ah! That's him! That's the mysterious man! Costello, look! It's Bella Lugosi! Gee! Bella Lugosi. Just a minute, Costello. Mr. Lugosi, 
I am the chairman of the uh, Committee for Crime Prevention in Encino. Now, uh, just what is the nature of your complaint? Well, I'll put it in a simple language that even a moron can understand. Step aside, Abbott. He's talking to me. <laughs> now, listen, Lugosi, I'm the sheriff around here, and I'm going to ask you some questions. Now, what were those screams in your house at midnight? That was my business. And what about those gunshots? That's my business. Ask him about those dead bodies in the basement. He's also my business. This guy is doing a heck of a business. <laughs> that settles it, Costello. You, as sheriff, will have to investigate and search Lagosi's house tonight at midnight. You will like the house, Costello. It's the only house in Encino where every room has a, a bat. <laughs> And a strange man should suddenly appear with a long, sharp knife in his hand and offer to cut your throat? Yes. Refuse him. <laughs> Abbott, take back the badge. I don't want to be sheriff anymore. Get me out of here now, Abbott. <laughs> Costello, here we are at Bella Lugosi's house. Abbott, Abbott, look, there's a casket in the corner with rubber sheets in it. Rubber sheets in it? Yes, I line all my caskets with rubber sheets, so the rain can't get in. Why? My beer is the dry beer. (laughs) Hey, Costello. Look at that funny-looking machine over there in the corner. Now, that's my Sears machine. On that, I manufacture robots. Get it, Abbott? Sears are robots. <laughs> One of you will soon be dead. <laughs> One of you will soon be dead. Which one? Don't be so choosy. (laughs) Abbott, I'm getting out of here. I don't like the looks of this place. Look at the grandfather's clock in the corner. Oh, lots of people have grandfather's clocks. With their grandfather's hanging in it like a pendulum? (laughs) Never mind that, Costello. Question Lugosi about the house. Mr. Lugosi, where is the former owner of this house? Do you see that pile of freshly dug dirt in the corner? Yes, sir. Well, that's not a vegetable garden. (laughs) Hmm, that's strange. I thought I felt a draft on my neck. What's strange about that? I have no neck. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Lugosi, what are you whispering for? I was born in a library. I had to stay there six months. How come? My father lost his card. <laughs> hey, look, Costello. There's a skeleton in this room. <laughs> Abbott, there's two skeletons in this room. <laughs> two skeletons? Yeah, I just jumped out of my skin. <laughs> hey, Abbott. Look, Lugosi has just disappeared through that wall. Pardon me, Abbott. I want to see somebody outside. Who? Me. Uh... 
<laughs> Come back here, Costello. You're scared? Why don't you sing? Go ahead and sing. It'll keep up your courage. Carry me back to old Virginia. You keep singing like that and they'll drag you back. Who are you? I'm a ghost. I'm the ghost of Richard, the lion-hearted. Who are you? I'm Costello, the chicken-livered. <laughs> Mr. Ghost, Costello is a sheriff and we've got to investigate this house. Why don't you start in the cellar? Here, I'll open the door for you. You can go right down those stairs. Costello, where are you? I'm down in the cellar, Rabbit, but look out for that first step. It's a Lulu. <laughs> it's all right, Costello. Here I am. I'll turn on this flashlight and we'll take a look around. Rabbit, quick, look over there. There's a body on the floor. Is he dead? I can't tell. His head is missing. I... <laughs> Get out of here, Rabbit. Costello, what are we? Mice or men? I don't know about you, but I'm glad there's no cat around. <laughs> Look. Mila Lagosa's back. Costello, it is indeed regrettable that you choose to prowl around in my cellar. I'm in a bloodthirsty mood. So far this week, I've only killed nine people. This guy sounds like a California driver. <laughs> Just a minute, Lugosi. Costello's the sheriff of this town, and you've got a you've got a dead man lying down here in your cellar. Yes, I know. He lives here. But he's dead. He's dead, I tell you. Why don't you throw him out? I can't. His rent is paid up until June first. <laughs> We've got to continue with the search. Well, go ahead with your search. If you want me, I'll be in the morgue lying on my slab. That's where I'm happiest. I'm lying on my slab. Don't look now, Abbott, but I think he's a little slab happy. <laughs> Come on, Costello. Let's look in this room. Open the door. Costello, what in the world was that? I don't know, and I ain't getting down off this channel here to find out. Come on down here, Costello. Hey, look. I just found a secret closet. Let's open it. Now, don't touch that door, Costello. Look at that sign. It says, this closet has never been opened in over 175 years. I don't believe that. I'm going to open it. Swarms, the British are coming, the British are coming. Costello, Costello, where are you? I'm hiding over here under this bed. Come on, crawl out from under that bed. Okay. Now, I wonder who put that piggy bank under here. <laughs> hey, look, Costello. There's a panel sliding open in that wall. Ah, oh, gentlemen, how can I ever thank you? You've released me from a hypnotic spell that I've been under for over a thousand years. Oh, Abbott, she's beautiful. Tell me, miss, 
Are you a mummy? Oh, no, I'm not even married. <laughs> Gee, you're lovely. Where did you come from? I remember coming here on Noah's Ark with all the animals. They all came in pairs. The birds came in pairs. The rabbits came in pairs. Did everything come in pairs? Everything but the worms. They come in apples. <laughs> What are you two doing here? Well, we're trying to solve the secrets of this house. I can help you. I know this house. I've got the inside. Uh, what you've got on the outside ain't bad either. <laughs> Be careful. Be careful. Didn't Christella. have enough material, eh? Stella. Lou, 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 be careful. This girl is a vampire. She may be dangerous. And besides, she's a thousand years old. You ought to be able to handle a rabbit. She's the same age as your wife. (laughs) Which one of you gallant gentlemen opened that panel and released me? I did. Oh, I'm going to reward you. Come, put your arms around me. I'm going to kiss you. that? Abbott, this kid is more than a thousand years old. Ah, oh, you're very sweet. You remind me of an actor I used to go with 500 years ago. Really? You went with an actor 500 years ago? What was his name? Al, Al Jolson. <laughs> hey, what's that? It's, it's Lugosi coming back. He mustn't find me here. I've got to get back behind my panel. But before I go, you may take my hand and kiss it. Thank you. Thank you. Costello, what are you doing? I'm kissing her hand. But Costello, the girl is gone. She's gone back behind that panel. Now, wasn't she sweet? She gave me her hand a kiss. I've got her hand and I'm holding it in mine and she's gone. And I was in that. She's gone. Come on, I still got her hand up. Quiet! What are you trying to do? Wake up the living? (laughs) Costello! Costello! It's Bella Lugosi. He's coming towards us. Well, Sheriff Costello, I've got to go now before I get into trouble with the police. Are you afraid of the police because you killed those nine people last week? No, it's not that. Are you afraid of the police because of the dastardly crimes you've committed? No, it's not that. Then why are you afraid of the police? Yes, why? Why do you have to leave here so suddenly? I just remembered I left my car parked in a one-hour zone. And you know those Los Angeles cops. Good night, Mr. Costello. Good night, Mr. Lugosa. Isn't he a lovely <laughs> chap, Costello? Yes, he sure is. I'd like to have known him when he was alive. Good night, everybody. Listen each Wednesday night at this time for another great Abbott and Costello show, produced and transcribed in Hollywood by Charles Vanda and featuring Susan Miller and Matty Malnick's orchestra. This is Michael Roy saying goodbye until this same time next Wednesday. 
And that's the Abbott and Costello Show from May 5th, 1948. Special guest, Bela Lugosi. Also in that cast, Elvia Allman, Viola Vaughn, and Sidney Fields. That was sustained over ABC. Well, let's take a break. When we come back, it's the shadow. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360 across about 200 radio stations coast to coast. Look what I have here, Lisa and Mike. I'm sure you have this too. It's Remind Magazine and their October issue is all about creature features, all kinds of scary stuff. Look, uh, Halloween there. They have the creature from the Black Lagoon. They have Jaws on the cover, too. I guess that's a, kind of a scary movie, right, Jaws? It scared me. Kind of funny scary. Yeah, Godzilla, all kinds of horror movies. Look, I Dream of Genie. Oh, I love I Dream of Genie. And, you know, I write an article every issue of Remind Magazine. It's called Radio 360. And I wrote all about Hyman Brown, the producer of Inner Sanctum Mysteries. He also produced the CBS Radio Mystery Theater. I sat down to dinner with him back in the 80s, and he talked to me all about Inner Sanctum and the CBS Radio Mystery Theater. And I just thought I'd write an article about that dinner and also about those two shows. So check it out in Remind Magazine. We also have our full schedule that uh, airs in October. They're great. They're a great partner to the show. And if you like classic radio, movies, TV, Hollywood, this is the magazine for you. Remind Magazine. Just go to their website, remindmagazine.com. You can pick up a subscription or just pick up an issue at any Barnes & Noble store or any Walmart store because they're in both of those chains. Remind Magazine, I promise you're going to love this magazine. All right, it's time now for The Shadow. Let's go back to January 12, 1941 for The Ghost Building. This stars Bill Johnstone, part one of The Shadow. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> the thrilling adventures of the shadow are on the air, brought to you each week by the Blue Coal Dealers of America. These dramatizations are designed to demonstrate forcibly to old and young alike that crime does not pay. The Shadow, mysterious character who aids the forces of law and order, is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. As the Shadow, Cranston is gifted with hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so that they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible Shadow belongs. Today's story, The Ghost Building. Jerome Need speaking. Yes? Yes, we just completed purchase of the ground this morning. That's right. And in your story, you can say that the building we intend to erect will be the largest and finest in the world. We're calling it the Coast Building. That's right. Not at all. Goodbye. Oh, Miss Carlson, I... Why, who are you? What are you doing in here? Now, now, Mr. Need, don't get excited. Who are you? You're the head of the construction company of this proposed new coast building, are you not? That's right. Now, look, if you're a reporter, I've already given the story... I'm not a reporter. 
come here to warn you not to erect that building. Now, listen, if this is a prank, it's some pretty poor taste. This is not a prank. It is simply a forecast of death and torture if the present plans go through. I don't know who you are, nor do I take any stock in your forecast. I'm sorry, but you're wrong on both counts. My forecast will, must come true. And you do know me. Oh. From where? From the past. It's slight wonder that you don't recognize me after all this time. But one day, Jerome Need, you will remember me all too well. You'll pay me back in full all that you owe me. Watch yourself. You almost missed that rivet. I I was just thinking. You ain't supposed to think. You're supposed to catch rivets. That's what I was thinking. Years from now, when my kid says to me, Pop, what did you have to do with putting up that largest building in the world? And you'll say what? I'll say, a guy threw a rivet, and I caught the rivet. Then a guy threw a rivet, and I caught the rivet. Then a guy threw a rivet. Catch that when it's coming now. Oh, I I didn't see. Look out. Don't lean over like that. Mike, look out. Watch out above, we're swinging the girder in. Hey, boss, look yeah. at that lad up there. His back is turned, he don't see the girder. Hold it. Stop that brain, quick! Look out up there! Watch it, boss! Look out up! It hit him! It hit him, uh... boss! He's falling! Too many die in that squad. Too many die on this job. Hey, you got to take chances in this business, Not Joe. me, I don't. Too many dead men in the foundation of this building now. I got honor and the kids to think about. Ah, you're talking screwy. We'll safe it up here than them guys down on the street. <laughs> Besides, Anna and them kids got to eat, don't they? Sure, don't worry. I feed them, but not from this job. I'm going below and quit now. This cost building is jinxed. Okay. Good luck, Joe. Yeah, so long, kids. So long, Joe. Hey, watch your step. Joe, hold on. <laughs> That's the first portion of The Shadow. More after these words. back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now, let's get back to The Shadow. Oh, Lamont, I thought you weren't coming. I'm sorry I'm late, Marco. You know, there's nothing duller than a dedication ceremony. I was beginning to think I'd have to sit through it all alone. (laughs) That's a fine thing to say, Margo. And I'm about to introduce you to Robert Lewis, the architect who designed this coast building. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, do you think you'd like to meet Miss Lane after that remark, Bob? Oh, of course I would. <laughs> I even agree with his statement. How do you do, Miss Lane? Hello, Mr. Lewis. Say, this is a distinguished gathering. Look who's among those present. Our good police commissioner. Hello there, Weston. Oh, hello, Lamont. Well, hello. hello, Commissioner. Yeah, do you know Bob Lewis? Yes, glad to see you, Mr. Lewis. Thank you, Commissioner. Oh, what brings you here, Commissioner? Duty. Just duty. These things bore me stiff. You waste half a day listening to an old stuffed shirt like Jerome Mead. Take a lot of bows and watch him lay a cornerstone. Why, Commissioner, <laughs> is that a nice way to talk about one of our leading citizens? Leading citizen, my eye. Need is as crooked as a corkscrew. Uh, if he didn't hold a high political office, the judge would have thrown the book at him years ago. Furthermore, Ladies if we can... Ladies and gentlemen... Here's your friend, Mr. Need, now. Ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to dedicate this glorious edifice. Although there were several unavoidable delays in the building's construction, 
We have still finished on schedule, and today I am justly proud to present to our fair city the world's largest and most modern structure. I would like at this time to... Get up of your lies, Mr. Need. What was that? What Someone's it? cut in on the public address system. But there's no one standing beside him. you, Mr. Need. I shall continue your speech for you and tell the truth about this great building of yours. Where is that voice coming from? It is useless to attempt to find me. So you just have to listen. Let's hear what he has to say, Margot. That's better. Many months ago, I warned Jerome Need not to try to erect a coast building. These warnings were not heeded. In reciting the glories of this building, Mr. Need did not mention one very important thing that went into its construction. Human life. Yes, human life. The foundation of this building is not all steel, brick, and concrete. There is also blood. Blood of the men who died during its construction. That's a lie. That's a lie. Be quiet. I have another warning for you, Jerome Mead. And all of you listening shall be my witnesses. The ghosts of those men who died will return to haunt the coast building. In fact, before too long, the coast building will be known as the ghost building. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I'm Mr. Cranston. Is Mr. Lewis in, please? Oh, yes. Come come right in. He's expecting you. Thank you. Oh, Bob, Mr. Cranston is here. Righto. I'm Bob's uncle, John. Oh, how do you do, sir? Uh, this is Miss Lane. How do you, uh, how do, you do, Miss Lane? Well, Bob. Lane. Hello. Uh, won't you come on into the study? Yes, thank you. I'll have some tea prepared, Bob. Thank you, Uncle John. Uh, right in here, Lamont, Miss Lane. Thanks. Has anyone learned how that voice cut in on Mr. Need's speech yesterday, Bob? Yes. Uh, whoever it was hooked up another mic on the line inside the building. Oh, I see. But you haven't learned his identity? Uh, no. Uh, won't you sit down, please? Yes, thank, thank you. Frankly, I'm worried, Lamont. I'm worried because the coast building has meant everything to me. I, uh... <laughs> I don't know if I've ever told you of my earlier life, Lamont. Well, no, you haven't, Bob. Well, I was brought up in an orphanage. Yes. Now, the only reason I tell you this is so that you might understand how important this job has been to me. You see, ever since I left the home, my one ambition was to find success as an architect. Which you certainly have. Well, I thought so until yesterday, but now I'm not so sure. Well, what do you mean, Bob? Well, if the coast building turns out as that voice predicted, if it is jinxed, then all my hopes are ruined. But surely you're not going to let an idle threat spoil this great triumph. I don't think it was an idle threat. Well, why do you say that? Well, let me show you this personal message that I discovered in this afternoon's paper. I chanced on it in the classified section. Here you are, Lamont. Read this. Where is it? Uh, right there, right at the bottom of the page. Oh, yes. To Henry Johnson, president of H.P. Johnson Corporation. This is not a warning. It is a forecast. The first of many to come. The ghosts of those who died that the coast building might be erected will return today to claim their own. Johnson has a suite of offices in that building. But surely a threat as public as that couldn't be carried out. Has anyone notified Johnson? I tried to reach him on the phone, but he was busy, so I left word for him to call me back. Well, perhaps we should go over there and... Oh, this may be he now. Hello? Oh, yes, Mr. Need. What? When? 
I see. I'll be right over. What's the trouble, Bob? Henry Johnson has just been found in his private office in the Coast Building. Stabbed to death. Gone down, 70th floor. Well, if I can crowd in here. Step in, sir. Move the rear of the car, please. We'll make room for you, Bill. Oh, look, Fred. <laughs> Aren't you going home a little early? Well, to tell you the truth, Fred, I read that personal in the paper today, the one that forecast death to everyone using the express elevator at exactly 5 o'clock, so I, I figured I'd beat the rush. Superstitious? No, just careful. Well, it's a good thing that you're not superstitious because your watch is wrong. It's exactly five o'clock now. Five o'clock. Listen, everybody. This car's out of control. Oh, oh, oh. Well, this is the last window I'm going to wash, see? Fifty-five stories is too high up. Ah, uh, stop grumbling, will you? Listen, did you see the paper this morning? There was an ad in it, see? That ad says a window cleaner's going to do a Brody sometime today, and, brother, I just ain't going to be that guy. No, sir, I... Hey, hey my safety belt busted. Here, come here, hand. I, come here. I can't reach a car. It's the in the coast building. Tenants moving out. Hey, read all about it. Coast building becomes ghost building. Extra, extra. Now, look, Mr. Need. I didn't ask you down to headquarters to get your opinion on what's legal and what isn't legal. That goes for you, too, Mr. Lewis. Commissioner, I'm not arguing with you at all. All right. As both Miss Lane and Mr. Cranston here know, I'm just as anxious to solve this mystery as you are. That's true, Commissioner. All right, Cranston, just let me handle this. But I can't say that I think much of your handling so far, Weston. Oh, no, Mr. Need. Well, suppose you toy with this little statement for a few minutes. I'm arresting you on suspicion of murder. What? Why, of all the... What do you base this on, Commissioner? Have you got any... Now, wait a minute, all of you. I've got a story to tell. It won't take long, but it definitely links you, Mr. Need, with these mysterious deaths. Oh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> but go ahead. Let's hear your accusation. I've been checking the newspapers to learn who was sending in those fatal ads in the personal column. And I learned that they'd been sent from various substations and paid for by postal money orders signed by different aliases. Why does that cast suspicion on me? Well, in the first place, Need, I've known you as a crook for many years. Why, you... But your fatal mistake was brought about by overconfidence. You see, the newspapers on orders from me did not publish the last warning they received. They turned it over to me. What are you driving at, Weston? This particular warning was addressed to Jules Seaborn, president of Seaborn and Eddie, one of the few remaining tenants in the building. It said that he'd be killed this afternoon. Have you warned Mr. Seaborn? Not personally. I left word for him to contact me. However, the warning wasn't necessary. Because I have the would-be murderer here in my office. Weston, I demand to know why you say that. Because, as I said before, overconfidence led to your fatal mistake. This last message to the papers was paid for by a money order signed by a person named Dean. D-E-E-N. Dean? Now do you understand? Obviously, Dean is need, spelled backwards. Dean, eh? I'm beginning to understand. Ah. Tell me, Weston... Was there any first initial accompanying the name of Dean? As if you didn't know. Yes, my friend, the first initial was J. J for Jerome. I thought so. John Dean. What? He was the one who warned me not to put up the coast building. He said you'll pay me back for what you owe me. Who are you talking about, Nate? Uh, I can't say just yet. Can't say? You're under arrest for murder and you can't say? Hello, Commissioner Weston speaking. Oh, hello, Commissioner. This is Jules Seaborn. You called me? Yes, Seaborn, I did. I thought you ought to know that I intercepted a newspaper ad today that 
forecast your being the next victim in the coast building. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, I wouldn't worry about that if I were you. No one is going to kill me in the middle of the afternoon in the world's largest office building. Besides, my secretary is right outside the door, and she... <laughs> Who's that? What do you want here? Seaborn, what in blazes is that? Put down that gun. I said put down... Seaborn! Uh... Seaborn! I told you I was innocent, Commissioner. Well, Commissioner, who's your murderer now? I realize that there's a slight penalty for illegal entry, Margot, but it must be done. Well, I'd like to know how you came by that bunch of skeleton keys, Lamont. Why, uh, in my spare time, I whittle them. In your spare time, you whittle them. That's right, I whittle them. Uh, there we are. Uh, may I have that flashlight, please? Yes, here you are. Thank you. You better stay close to me, Margot. With all these murders that have occurred here in the ghost building, it's just possible that what I seek in Mr. Lewis's office may be pretty well guarded. I won't stray, don't worry. Well, let's have a look in this desk. May I hold the flashlight for you? Yes, please. Lamont, what if a watchman or someone should see this light? They only check this floor once an hour. I made sure of that. Well, no luck so far. What are you looking for? A very important bit of evidence that I hope to find here, but it doesn't seem to... Hello? What's this? Is that it? Is that what you were after, this letter? No, it isn't what I came after, but nonetheless, it just about cinches the case. Why? What's in it? I haven't even looked at its contents. The address in the envelope is all that I need. I'll show you what... What are you doing here? Steady, Margo. Answer me, why are you here? If uh, you take that mask off your face, I might answer you. You'll answer me now or I'll shoot. Now, look, we haven't any... Put out that flashlight, Margo. God, why, you... No, no, it's no use, Margo. He's gotten away and we can't break through this panel. Lamont, where could he have gone? He's somewhere behind this wall. Did you see that trail of blood leading across the floor? I must have wounded him. Lamont, what can we do? I know what you can do, Margot. What? Contact Commissioner Weston at once. Tell him to send a squad of men to the ghost building because I'm certain that another murder will soon occur. Well, where are you going? I'm going to pay a call on Robert Lewis's home. As the shadow. Uncle John? Uncle John, is that you? Hmm. Thought he came in. And now let me see. There's windows on the ground floor. Space for a store. What was that? Sorry to interrupt your work, Mr. Lewis. Who is it? Who's speaking to me? I am known as the Shadow. Where are you? I I don't see anyone. I'm standing right beside you, Mr. Lewis. But you needn't bother to look for me. By my hypnotic power, I've made myself quite invisible to your eyes. Why are you here? What do you want of me? I would like to know where your uncle is. Why, he's out. Then perhaps you can tell me what I wish to know about him. What is it? Is he really your uncle, Mr. Lewis? Of course. Of course he is. You're lying. Now, see here, I don't... The man that you call your uncle is in reality your father. Isn't this true? No. No. And you are not Robert Lewis. You are Robert Dean, the son of John Dean, the man you call your uncle. I don't know what you're talking about. Then perhaps if I remind you of a letter, it will help. A letter addressed to you at the orphanage, postmarked 1908. 
I found it in your office. How dare you rifle my office? I checked with the orphanage and found that a Robert Dean had been left there in 1908 at the age of three. After his mother had died and his father had been sent to prison to serve a 40-year term. He was sentenced for attempted murder on the person of Jerome Need, his business associate. You, uh, you learned all this? Your father was released in October of 1940 for good behavior. And he has since made good his revenge on Jerome Need. You can't prove that. Oh, but I can. By the money order that he signed with the name J.D. Jerome Need could identify him, too. Why do you do this to me? Because you share your father's guilt. Your complicity helped him perform the murder. No, no! You built those secret passageways in the building. And I have an idea that you even have blueprints. Secret blueprints of your work. Now, where are they? You'll never get those. So you have them, then. In that drawer that you involuntarily reached Keep for. away from me. You shall never get those Oh, prints. yes, I will. Don't put out that You're light. too late, Mr. Shadow. Not too late to see those prints and take Give them. Give them to me. Give them back to me. You'll never get them now. No. Then you won't get me. Lewis. Lewis. I hated letting Lewis get away, but at least I have the blueprints, Margo. Here. Take a look at them. What are those circled numbers, Lamont? Well, number one was Johnson's office. Number two, the elevator shaft. Number three, the window ledge from which the cleaner fell. Number four, T-Barn's office. But what is number five? That's circle two. Uh, wait, uh, I'll look below. Wait, that's the conference room of the board of trustees. That must be the planned scene of the next murder. Oh, Lamont, do you really think so? Of course, Margot. If another vicious killing is to be averted, we must get to the ghost building at once. Come along, Margot. Weston's right down here. All right. Lamont, I wonder why the commissioner has stationed so many police on this conference room floor. Do you suppose something's happened? I don't know. I hope we're not too late. Oh, there's Weston. Commissioner! Wait a minute. Not so loud, Cranston. There's a meeting going on in there. I know. That's why I'm here. You've got to stop that meeting at once. Oh, is that so? Now, look, Weston. I happen to know that the next murder, all murders in this building, will take place in that room. Oh, you mean that ten board members all together, somebody's going to sneak in there and stab the ball. I'm <laughs> telling you the truth, Commissioner. And I'm telling you the truth. Need and his directors are holding a meeting in there. And at their request, they're not going to be disturbed. Now, that's my orders. And, Commissioner, you know how I love to break your orders. Hey, get away from that door. Oh, no. Mr. Cranston, I'm running this show. Question. Put a handkerchief to your face at once. This room is full of a poisonous gas. Holy Moses. We must open the windows quickly. Are those men... Are they alive? There's a chance that they might be. How was it done? I was... The door... Don't talk, you fool. What? Uh, there we are. We've taken as much of this as we can stand. Come on. Yeah, I'm gonna... <coughs> I was right there all of You all right, Weston? Uh, yes, I was... Get some men in there. Bring those directors out. Yeah, well, that's... Uh, Hill, come on, you boy. Come on. Come on, what happened? Our room is full of a poisonous gas. Oh, it must have been released through the ventilating system. Are they... Are they dead? I don't know. I hope not. I haven't time to wait to find out. Well, where are you going? The shadow is going to follow the secret passageway in the blueprint that will lead him to the murderers. Dad. Dad, won't you let me get you to a doctor? No. No, son. It wouldn't be safe for you. Besides, I'm afraid it's too late. The wound is bleeding so much. Dad, isn't there anything I can do? Yes. Yes, Robert, there is. What is it? My plan. My plan of vengeance. You must carry it through. Knowing that, I can die happy. <laughs> what was that? 
shadow. I see you remember me, Mr. Lewis. How did you get here? Your blueprints were a great help. And now that I am here, your plan of killing is at an end. Who is this man? I cannot see him. I am invisible to your eyes, Mr. John Dean. But I'm familiar with all you've done. The victims you've claimed in this building. He knows everything? Yes, he had everything. Then he must know why, why I killed. Need sent me to prison. I was an innocent man. An innocent man. My wife died of a broken heart when they took me away. That is why I swore vengeance against Mr. Need. I've ruined him by destroying his greatest dream. Nonetheless, you and your son must both pay for your crime. No, no, not Robert. He mustn't suffer, too. He was your accomplice, your willing accomplice. I see. Then you forced me to change my plans. Yes. What do you mean? I have a charge of dynamite planted down here for just such an emergency as this. I'm about to die anyway, and if my son is to face the electric chair, I'd rather he went out with me, taking all others with us. I wouldn't advise you doing that, Mr. Dean. You're too late, Mr. Shadow. My son has slipped over to the plunger that will set off the charge, see? Even now, he awaits my words. Yes, yes. how do you like that, Mr. Shadow? Don't touch that dynamite, Lewis. Go on, son. Now! The plunger, now! Yes! Yes! <laughs> Nothing. Nothing happened. No. I should have told you that I discovered your dynamite and took the precaution of cutting the wire. I guess there's nothing left to do now, gentlemen, except to wait for the arrival of the police. And so, before pronouncing sentence on you, John Dean, and your son, Robert Dean, I would like to point out to you and to all other members of society that no matter how great a grievance you have against an individual or individual's you have neither a legal nor a moral right to seek a personal vengeance to atone that grievance. Your case is an object lesson of a familiar phrase that cannot be repeated too often. Crime does not pay. Today's program is based on a story copyrighted by The Shadow Magazine. The characters, names, places, and plot are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. <laughs> the weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The shadow knows. <laughs> Next week, same time, same station, the Blue Coal Dealers of America bring you an adventure of the shadow that will send thrills racing up and down your spine. So be sure to listen. And be sure to phone your friendly Blue Coal Dealer for greater heating comfort at less cost. This is Jane Paul King saying, keep the home fires burning with Blue Coal. And that's The Shadow with The Ghost Building, starring Bill Johnstone from January 12, 1941. Also in the cast, are you ready for this, Lisa? Listen to this cast, Mike and Lisa. We had Marjorie Anderson as Margot Lane, Jim Backus, Thurston Howell III from Gilligan's Island, Maurice Tarplin, Frank Lovejoy, Keenan Wynn, Kenny Delmar, Everett Sloan, and Richard Widmark. It's like an all-star movie Hollywood cast in this radio episode from 1941 of The Shadow, sponsored by Blue Cole, as heard on Mutual. Let's take a quick break, then it's more of Hollywood 360. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. 
Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club, where each month you'll receive 10 of the greatest shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first five-CD collection of 10 classic radio shows, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $4.99. Each month I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of 100,000 shows and send them to you on five CDs. And I promise they'll be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first five-CD collection with 10 of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott and Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next time, it's a scary mystery on the Hall of Fantasy from 1952. Then Peter Lorre makes a guest-starring appearance on the Jack Benny program from 1946. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.